So we are continuing our series entitled The Other Kings. Uh, many of you know the big three kings, Saul, David, and Solomon. Uh, they were the first three kings of Israel. Uh, they were the only ones to rule over a united uh, Israel. After King Solomon, Israel split into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom called Israel and the southern kingdom called Judah. Uh, both of these kingdoms had 19 kings. Judah also had uh, one queen. And in Judah, only eight of the rulers were considered good. In other words, they did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. The others were bad kings. They did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. Uh, in Israel, the northern kingdom, none of the kings were considered good. They all did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Now, we are not as familiar with these other 39 rulers, the other kings as we are calling them. Uh, so in this series, we're going to get to know some of these other kings and what we can learn about faith from them. But there is a second meaning behind the other kings. Most of these 39 rulers were bad kings. They compromised what God wanted for the nation. They did not treat God as the one true king of Israel. And likewise, for us, Jesus is the king of kings, and we do not always treat Jesus as the king of kings. We compromise our faith in Jesus with other kings in our lives. One of our directives here at TFRC is transform lives, where we live visibly different lives because of our faith in Jesus. As we look at how these kings of Israel and Judah maybe served other gods, we want to ask ourselves if there's any sin ruling over us. What other kings do we serve? We may have to adjust how we live so our lives reflect Jesus, the true King of Kings. Our scripture for this morning is 2 Kings 23, verses 19 to 25. You can look that up in your Bible. 2 Kings is about a third of the way into the Old Testament. It's right after 1 and 2 Samuel and 1 Kings. Uh, you can also look up 2 Kings 23, 19 to 25 on your phones. Uh, the king that we are looking at this morning is King Josiah. Our scripture reader is Chris Alm. Chris, go ahead and make your way. There he is. Go ahead and make your way out to the podium. As he does, I'm going to ask you if you're able, please stand and face the center of the room. We read from the center of the room to remind us that scripture is to be central in our lives. It is the primary lens uh, we use to determine how we live. And we stand because this is the word of God. And so, Chris... Whenever you are ready, please read from 2 Kings 23, verses 19 to 25. Just as he had done at Bethel, Josiah removed all the shrines at the high places that the kings of Israel had built in the towns of Samaria and that had aroused the Lord's anger. Josiah slaughtered all the priests of those high places on the altars and burned human bones on them. Then he went back to Jerusalem. The king gave this order to all the people. Celebrate the Passover to the Lord your God, as it is written in this book of the covenant. Neither in the days of the judges who led Israel, nor in the days of the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah had any such Passover been observed. But in the 18th year of King Josiah, this Passover was celebrated to the Lord in Jerusalem. Furthermore, Josiah got rid of the mediums and spiritists, the household gods, the idols, and all the other detestable things seen in Judah and Jerusalem. This he did to fulfill the requirements of the law written in the book that Hilkiah, the priest, had discovered in the temple of the Lord. Neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did, with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his strength, 
in accordance with all the law of Moses. Chris, thank you very much. You may be seated. Now, in the world of sports, we are always looking for the next young phenom. Who will be the next Tiger Woods, or the next Tom Brady, or the next LeBron James, or the next Shohei Otani? Well, here's a name for you to watch in the NBA, Victor Wembanyama. Victor was the first overall pick in the NBA draft this year. He was drafted by the San Antonio Spurs. He is 19 years old. Last year, he played professional basketball in France. He was the best scorer, defender, and MVP of that league. He is, and you probably can't tell from the picture, he is seven feet, four inches tall. He can also handle and shoot the ball like a guard. He is the most hyped prospect since LeBron James. In his second game in the NBA Summer League, he had 27 points, 12 rebounds, three blocks, and shot 50% from the three-point line. He is already so famous, maybe you've heard this, but he is so famous that he was walking into a restaurant and Britney Spears saw him and she wanted a picture with him. And so she went, tapped him on the shoulder and she was immediately escorted away by security. (laughs) So keep an eye on Victor Wimbayama from the San Antonio Spurs. We love the potential of young phenoms. And for Victor, he has great potential. And he also has a lot of pressure on him. There are high expectations, and we don't know if Victor will pan out. Will he meet his potential, or will he crash and burn? Well, I'm rooting for him. I hope he does well, but we will stay tuned and see. Now, the king we are looking at this morning is King Josiah. And King Josiah became king of Judah at age eight. And so you could say he was a young phenom. To be king at age eight comes with a lot of pressure and potential. Now, amazingly, he was not the youngest in the history of Judah to become king. About 150 years before Josiah, there was a king named King Joash, and he began his rule at the age of seven. But Josiah was a good king. He ruled for 31 years. In fact, King Josiah is compared to King David. The Bible says Josiah followed completely the ways of King David, not turning to the right or to the left, in keeping God's commands. He was also one of the last kings of Judah. Judah had a lot of bad kings, and God's judgment was coming. But Josiah's faithfulness delayed their time of judgment. And the book of the law is found when King Josiah is about 26-ish. While he became king at age eight, he didn't begin his his reforms until after the book of the law was found, and that happened when he was older. The book of the law is the first five books of the Old Testament. It's also known as the Torah, and it was the reading of God's word that caused Josiah to respond. And here at TFRC, one of our directives is biblical obedience, where scripture is the primary lens we use to determine how we live. We don't just read the Bible, we need to respond to it, like King Josiah responded to it. Now, responding to the Word of God, it does involve at least two things, at least two things I will highlight. First, when we respond to the Word of God, we need to study it to make sure we understand it correctly. Something that I've heard recently and I really like 
is that if we misinterpret the Bible, then our obedience becomes disobedience because we're doing it wrong. (laughs) So careful study of Scripture is vital. Second, after careful study and understanding as best we can, we need to do what it says. And when Josiah did that, it led to a royal revival. And the first thing that Josiah does in his royal revival is he establishes a new public policy. And he gets rid of the shrines and high places in Judah. And you can read about that in the verses right before our passage for this morning, 2 Kings 23, verses 1 to 14. Last week, Pastor Brett talked about the high places, places where worship of foreign gods would take place. Sometimes that worship included child sacrifice. Well, Josiah gets rid of those places of idolatry in the kingdom of Judah. And this makes sense because he's the king of the kingdom of Judah. And so if the king of Judah wants to establish the worship of the Lord in his kingdom, he has every right to do so. But our passage for the day that Chris read, it began with something else. Where King Josiah gets rid of the shrines and high places in Israel. If you go back to verse 19 of the passage, where it says, just as he had done at Bethel, Josiah removed all the shrines at the high places that the kings of Israel had built in the towns of Samaria, and that had aroused the Lord's anger. Josiah slaughtered all the priests of those high places on the altars and burned human bones on them, and then he went back to Jerusalem. Now, uh, here's a map of the two kingdoms. The blue is the northern kingdom of Israel. The orangish-red is the kingdom of Judah. Bethel and and the towns of Samaria are all located in the blue in Israel. That's outside of Josiah's kingdom, which is the orangish-red one. Now, the kingdom of Israel, it had already been conquered. The blue had already been conquered about 80 years before Josiah becomes king. The Assyrians conquered and resettled the land that is in the blue. Now, they left some Israelites in the land, but they took most of the Israelites out of the land. Now, the Assyrians in the time of Josiah were not as powerful as they were 80 years before that. And so Josiah goes into parts of Israel, parts of the blue, and he removes the shrines and the high places there. He goes outside of his kingdom into another part of Israel and removes those shrines and high places. Now the shrines and high places that he removes there were not put there by the Assyrians. The passage says... They were put there by the kings of Israel. So when Josiah goes outside of his kingdom to get rid of high places and shrines, he's not interested in removing whatever pagan practices the Assyrians established when they took it over. He wanted to end the idolatry that the kings of Israel had set up. That was his focus. He wasn't focused on the pagan world. He was focused 
on the people of God. Which brings up this thought. We spend a lot of time fretting about the culture outside of the church. Well, look at what King Josiah did. He wasn't worried about the culture outside of the church. He was worried about the people of God. Our calling is not primarily to our culture. It's to the kingdom, the kingdom of God. The culture around us and the kingdom of God near us are not the same thing. We are not called to judge the world outside the church. We are called to witness to the world outside the church. And it is what is happening inside the church is what should concern us, which is why we're doing this series. Do we have other kings that we serve? If the world has other kings that they serve, well, that's one thing. But if we have other kings, well, that's another thing entirely. And it's where King Josiah begins. And the next thing Josiah does is he brings the people together. He celebrates the Passover, and it is a powerful Passover, going to verses 21 to 23, where it says, the king gave this order to all the people. Celebrate the Passover to the Lord your God as it is written in this book of the covenant. Neither in the days of the judges who led Israel, nor in the days of the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah, had any such Passover been observed. But in the 18th year of King Josiah, this Passover was celebrated to the Lord in Jerusalem. Now the Passover was the festival that God established for the people to remember what God did in Egypt, where he brought the Israelites out of slavery when he parted the Red Sea and then destroyed the Egyptian army by crashing the sea down on them. And this was a Passover like one that had not been seen in a really, really, really long time. And there are a few factors that made this Passover different. First of all, there were Israelites from the northern kingdom coming to Jerusalem. When the kingdom was divided after Solomon, the kingdom of Israel didn't come to Jerusalem anymore for the Passover. The fact that Josiah's reforms included parts of the northern kingdom marked the first time in hundreds of years that all of Israel could come to Jerusalem for the Passover. And then the second thing that made this Passover kind of different was that King Josiah provided all the lambs. There's a parallel passage to this story in 2 Chronicles 35 that you can look up on your own time. And in 2 Chronicles 35, it gives a detail. And the detail is that King Josiah provided the Passover sacrifices for everybody. That had never happened in the history of Israel, in either the divided kingdom or the united kingdom. This was a first, because normally the people provided their own lambs. And so Josiah, he connects the people to their faith and to each other. King Josiah understood that to bring a revival, you couldn't just take away the things that people shouldn't be doing. He had to remind the people of the goodness of God, of what God had done for them 
in celebrating this festival. And he goes all out to make sure it happens. He had to remind the people of the goodness of God. Look, God shouldn't be honored simply out of fear of punishment. God should be honored because God is worthy to be honored. God is good. God is merciful. God loves us. Yes, God is to be feared. Yes, God will get angry. But if those are two of our main reasons for honoring God because of we fear him or that God might get angry, well, we are missing the bigger picture. Parents of minor children, parents in the room of minor children, your children should have a sense of fear of you, and there will be times that you get angry at your children. And you, we do, need to discipline our children. That's very important. Are those the main reasons your children should obey you? If your children only obey you out of fear of your anger, don't expect much of a relationship with them when they're older. They should honor you because you are good to them. They should honor you because you care about them. They should honor you because you love them. Those should be the main reasons. Yes, we need to discipline our kids. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But fear of discipline is a terrible foundation for a relationship. The Passover reconnected the people to God's goodness. They were in Jerusalem again, celebrating the Passover. The king was buying, and it connected them to God's goodness, and it reconnected them to each other. Um, after Josiah changes public policy and holds this powerful Passover, there is still work to be done. And the work is around personal piety. If you look at verses 24 and 25. Furthermore, Josiah got rid of the mediums and spiritists, the household gods, the idols, and all the other detestable things seen in Judah and Jerusalem. This he did to fulfill the requirements of the law written in the book that Hilkiah, the priest, had discovered in the temple of the Lord. Neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did, with all of his heart and with all of his soul and with all of his strength, in accordance with with all the law of Moses. The personal piety begins by getting, he, one of the things he does is he gets rid of the household gods. He gets rid of the household gods. Now, household gods by definition are found where, would you guess? They are found in households. So the people are still struggling with faithfulness. They have idols in their homes. Now, I don't know if, G if Josiah sent people door to door, or maybe he just really encouraged the people to get rid of them, but Josiah went after faithfulness on a personal level. And the passage concludes by saying, Josiah turned with all of his heart and soul and strength, neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did, turned with all of his heart and all of his soul 
and all of his strength. Heart, soul, strength. What does that sound like? Many of you know. You can whisper it to someone next to you so you get full credit for being right. It comes from the Shema. Deuteronomy 6.5. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And Jesus identifies that as the greatest commandment. There was never a king like Josiah because he followed that commandment like no other king. All of his heart, soul, and strength. What personal work do we need to do? What household gods do we need to get rid of? Now, two weeks ago, I shared the list of the seven deadly sins. Pride and envy, wrath and sloth, greed, gluttony, lust. I suggested that each of them has the potential to become other kings for us. Well, I would like you to kind of reconsider this list. Do any of these serve as sort of a household god for you? What personal cleanup do you need to do in your life? And as you consider that, don't forget (laughs) that the gospel changes everything. We live in a world where we have to prove ourselves worthy all the time. Well, the gospel changes that. We can come to Jesus even when we still have work to do. We likely came to the communion table this morning with a need to get something right in our lives. Well, we don't have to get everything right in our life and then come to Jesus. We come to Jesus and he will give us what we need in order to do what is pleasing in his sight. And we came to the table with joy and confidence. Joy because Jesus loves us just as we are Joy because Jesus won't let us stay just as we are. Jesus is transforming us. And we come with confidence that Jesus' death and resurrection is the cornerstone of our faith. We come with confidence that Jesus will continue to build our faith. Josiah knew the nation had work to do. The word of the Lord needed to be followed. And so he took the steps of faith needed to draw closer to God, and God honored him for that. As we do the same, take steps of faith that we need to draw closer to our Lord and Savior. Well, Jesus will honor every step of faith we take. Please pray with me. Lord, once again we come and ask that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear what it is you are calling us to do. And then, Lord, that you would give us the strength and encouragement and perseverance that in those moments in our lives, the moments that we're even going to face today, when the rubber meets the road and we need to choose which king we're going to follow.
Lord, may your spirit work in us so that we will do what is pleasing in your sight. And it's the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus we pray. Amen. And receive God's blessing. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.